Just a special note for the listeners, uh, we've created a YouTube channel. So this is the first episode that's going to be also available to watch on YouTube. So you can actually see our faces, which might not be the best thing. But if you're interested, it's available on YouTube. The link is available in the show notes. And you can also search for it on YouTube under YOLO Capital. Um, another note is the ticker for the stock that we talked about today is CSU, but that's for Canadians um, because that's traded on the Toronto Stock Exchange. For US-based investors, uh, you have to buy into the uh, ADR, uh, which is an American depository receipt. Um, and basically the ticker for that is CNSWF. So thanks and enjoy the episode. All content on this channel is for informational and educational purposes only and should not be construed as professional financial advice. Should you need such advice, please consult a licensed financial or tax advisor. No guarantee is given regarding the accuracy of information on this channel. some kind of fancy intro with our with our new video uh i have no honestly i have no idea i'm just winging it right now i'll have the video feed and i don't even know how to edit it or whatever and like uh, it's gonna be shit basically like in the starting stages and then uh, if it's really horrible we could set the video link to private so no one will ever fucking see it You just gotta try. You just gotta try. You just instilled a lot of confidence. I feel really good about this experiment. <laughs> <laughs> we could always just bury it, you know. Yeah, we don't like bury the way it, it turns out. The <laughs> algorithm, the algorithm will determine whether it's valuable or not. We don't have to do any. We don't have to worry at all. <laughs> Look, man, I'm in. All right. So, what are we talking about today? We're talking about Constellation Software. It's a Canadian company. It is currently a $49 billion market cap. It is a diversified software company. Basically means they uh, they own a bunch of other software companies and then yes. help them grow and have a bunch of synergies because they own so many of them. They can help with like marketing and sales. And, uh, and the thing that's really exciting about it, which you sent me is, you know, it's up like, I don't know, 13,000% since 2006. <laughs> Yes. Those numbers warm my heart. <laughs> I love it. I mean, I've never said it's just like insane. I mean, you're talking, this is, and that's the first clue is this is very Buffett like, right? Yeah. You got a, you got a CAGR on this company, 35% over 16 years. Yeah. Like you might get a CAGR of 35% on a three-year company, but like yeah. 16 years of performance at that Smoking. level is just like Smoking. unbelievable. You love it. Right? Just Somebody's love really it. good at their job. Yeah. May 2006. I don't know what I was doing in May 2006. I certainly wasn't buying this company. Because if I, I know get, what you were doing. <laughs> yeah, in 2006, oh, you were yeah, probably we were working stapling together. your tie to a desk. Yeah, you were probably stapling your tie to a desk and playing catch-up baseball. That's probably I've made what mistakes doing, in my doing. life. <laughs> I've made mistakes in my life. I should have been buying this company with my entire yeah. paycheck. I don't know what I was this doing. Is, this is... One of the highest performing companies I've ever seen in my entire life. And like, I, the more you dig into it, it's just like, this guy just like gets up to the plate and hits home run after home run after home run. And he does it over and over again. I mean, 
they did a billion dollars in acquisitions last year. I right? didn't realize that. And that's I, I a know. lot. Yeah. It's a ton. If you, if you told me a, a VC was investing a billion dollars a year, they're only expecting to hit one or two home runs. Yeah. Right? No, these guys and are And those solid. are professional yeah, investors. Yeah. Every company they buy performs and just yeah. throws off cash. Yeah. So, I, I, you know, you try to understand the story. I think this is, this is one where we're probably going to spend more time on like the overview than we'll mm-hmm. spend on the valuation because it's going to be hard to value. You know, I right. was thinking, try to, try to organize the companies into categories, which they already did, and then try to value those categories. Even that yeah. got too difficult because you can't, you can't do that either. Yeah, it's a lot it's of work. It's too much to work. Yeah. It's like doing Buffett stuff too. Like you look at the chunks yeah. of Buffett's, uh, you know, holdings and it's, even that's hard to do. So mm-hmm. I think what I want to do um, just at a story level, again, these guys grow by buying other companies. That's what they do. It's like super simple. They use the cash flow from all of these businesses that they operate so efficiently to drive more acquisitions, right? So I just read they did 226 million in Q3. So by the way, everything I'm quoting is from... Uh, the Q3 like report that they gave, mm-hmm. and then they have a, a annual letter that yeah. maybe once every three years. <laughs> so it's not so annual. <laughs> he, he used um, to write it regularly, and then in 2017, he said, "I'm going to just he, stop writing." <laughs> he's like, "I'm, I'm not going to do this anymore." And you know Are what? You? I don't have to. Yeah, it's I'm a like, billionaire. Uh, I don't have to uh, do this. <laughs> yeah, it's like it's like asking Michael Jordan to run laps. It's like <laughs> I don't need to fucking run laps. Like, look at the look what I've done. Look at my CV. Yeah. I don't have to tell you. I don't have to tell you guys what I'm doing. Yeah. Um, but yeah, me. so just basically he's taking, he's t- yeah, just trust. I mean, that's literally what he says in the letter. Um, I'll quote that at the end. I mean, that to me, this is like, in sum, uh, he basically says like, you know, hopefully we have built enough credibility to warrant your patience as we explore new and underappreciated sectors. I mean, has anyone earned more patience than this guy? I mean, this is like the highest performing, uh, just, on, on acquisitions, the highest performance I've ever seen. Let's take a step back. When we're talking about this yeah. guy, we're talking about the CEO and the, the chairman, the founder of this company. His name is Mark Leonard. He's a Canadian. Um, he's also like super, he's, I would call him an eccentric genius or like an eccentric savant. Like he's reclusive. He never does interviews. He never does podcasts. He never goes on media. The guy, um, Basically, as I understand from the few reports on him, okay, he's six foot five, weighs 280 pounds, and he has this long Gandalf-like beard. And I before, like everything about this guy, by the way. <laughs> before he did this whole thing, um, he was in venture capital. And in 1995, he left venture capital to start Constellation Software. And the insight that he had was that he was super irritated with the VCs that he was working with because they did the typical VC thing, which was they always focused on investing in young companies with a huge total addressable market, like like a, like right. Uber starting. And then its vision is to replace all passenger cars in the world with short-term rentals, like, like Uber will just get you anywhere, right? That's a huge vision. Um, and so like the VCs were always looking for that. And he was like, why are you looking for this? Why are you spending so much time looking for this when there are also like really small companies that don't have this like world beating vision, but they do a small thing really, really well. And they just throw off so much cash, but it's not a lot of cash, but they throw off good cash. It's like a tiny little oil well in a small patch of land. It makes 50, $60,000 a year. It's a good little oil well. 
And then like Chevron's like, oh, I don't even want to bother, you know, tapping a $50,000 oil well. I need like the big sands. I need every billion dollar things, you know? And Mark Leonard's like, this 50,000 oil well, if I grab a whole bunch of them, like a hundred of these right. tiny little plots, that's right. big money. And that's what his insight was. And I think that um, one of like this guy is just like a genius about it. Like he is like one of the most disciplined buyers of these types of businesses. And he's just figured out that there's not actually a lot of competition to buy these businesses because nobody wants them. And uh, he could go out, scoop them all up like a whale scoops up plankton from the sea and then just gets bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger. Just complete genius. And um, it's a billion dollars in acquisitions. I mean, that's a lot of company buys. He's buying a lot of businesses, man. And he's managing a lot of businesses. Oh, and uh, one other thing, Mark Leonard, before he was a VC, you, you might ask, like, what did he do before he was a VC? Did he go to Harvard Business School? Was he a Wharton thing? What, what, what was going on? He, 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 cut, he, he spent some time working in these, the following um, jobs. He was amazing. <laughs> he was also a grave digger, uh, a dog handler, a sapper which I had to look up. It's a guy who digs holes in the ground. <laughs> and then he was a wind energy researcher. <laughs> then he did his MBA from the University of Western Ontario because he's a Canadian. Um, and then he ended up going into VC world. Like he's got the weirdest resume I've ever heard of, you know? Yeah. And well, now yeah. he's like the, a reclusive billionaire. Like <laughs> what kind of life has this guy lived? <laughs> It's like, he's got to be high on your list of people you'd like to have lunch with, you know? Yeah, yeah. And I'd like to stroke his Gandalf beard. You know? <laughs> well, that's a weird, that's your own weird out. thing. But. <laughs> Maybe. Um, yeah, yeah, I mean, look, the story, it, it's, a, it's, it's, it's incredible. This guy, with, with his crazy background or not, is the highest performing, you know, CEO of a growth company, growth software company I've ever seen. And over the longest period of time I've ever seen. I mean, you're talking about, a track record with a stretch here, you know, there's no gaps. You just crush it. And all of these companies, like you said, throw off tons of free cash. So it's basically just, again, targeting, I guess it's like, uh, what's the Nash theorem or whatever. It's like, you know, one tier below where everybody else is. Yeah, maybe like everyone else is focused on these bigger, you know, billion dollar acquisition unicorns. And he's like, hey, come a couple steps below you know, gather them up and I can make good money. And, and also there's a lot of economies of scale and synergy to doing that. Instead of owning, you know, three unicorns in different businesses, like imagine you owned, you know, Uber and WeWork and whatever, like there are no synergies and they're so big and sprawling. It's really hard to manage those companies, um, you know, and, and so he's got a better strategy of kind of aligning the companies within areas that he knows really well. Uh, with other high-performing companies, and you can just you know take what works, apply it where it can be applied, uh, and you get success. I mean, that recipe is working really, really well. So, what's not to like, right? I mean, this is just—it's an incredible business. It's got a real track record. You know, the CEO might be uh, a little nutty, but he's obviously performing. So, I kind of looked into three different things, um, and I think it's a mix of like what's going on, where they're headed, and and what's not to like. Like, how could you not like this company? 
So the first one I want to talk about, and Gil, you can redirect me if you want. I, you know, there's there's three things here that that jumped out to me when I was looking at the company. One is the the topic of spinoff, right? Mm-hmm. Um, they basically took uh, Topicus, which is one of their um, operating groups, and mm-hmm. spun it off. It's basically like a mini constellation. That's what mm-hmm. it's doing. They're they're going to basically go hunt for undervalued software companies that can be home runs and add them to the Topicus, you know, portfolio. So my first question is like, why do you need to spin off Topicus? Like, you're doing that anyway, right? Why do you need to spin this group off to do it under a different um, different company? So mm-hmm. uh, I was looking for the rationale. Uh, and that's also in the Q3 letter. So ultimately, I just, I'll, I'll read, I know it's annoying, but also this sent me off on a little rabbit hole, by the way, where I'm looking at the, the financials for Topicus because it's now a publicly traded company. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm like, yeah. no, it's pretty good. <laughs> I, might, I might buy that too. That might um, be a good investment the, by the way, on its own. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it is. I think it is. And, and yeah. the advantage, by the way, obviously, if you're a CSU holder, if you're a Constellation holder, you get shares in Topicus. You that's how they that. reward mm-hmm. you for spinning it up. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, but I think what they said here is interesting, right? Ultimately, CSI believes that the company will grow faster and perform better as an independent public company than it would within the CSI group of companies, right? Which is an interesting thing because it's like contrary to everything that they've done, right? Right. Although the company will operate on a standalone basis, it will continue to benefit from the application of CSI best practices. So like I'm sitting here trying to read this and I'm trying to say like, I still don't understand the advantage of spinning it out, right? Um, And then I start to think like, Mm-hmm. Yeah, sorry, go ahead. Yeah, my theory go, go, go. was that like Topicus is actually a, a group of uh, software vertical um, market software companies that's mostly operating in Europe. So right. there might be some benefit to just having it as a standalone entity. Um, the second thing is also that it just might be like there are certain shareholders in the constellation shareholder thing, like a pension plan or something like that, that wants to be able to, I don't know, have selective focus on European exposure versus US software exposure. Um, And having the topic of spinoff allows them to, you know, tweak their portfolio allocation. And so basically some large pension holder talked to Mark Leonard and said, can you spin off topic? And he said, (laughs) sure. Like, it doesn't matter to me, it's fine. You know, Um, that's, that's my theory about it because there's really, it makes no financial sense. Like all of Constellation, is um, run in a decentralized way. Like each operating group operates independently with its own capital, hunts for its deals, has its own like budgeting and accounting. Uh, like, and like, it's just run as a decentralized conglomerate like the way Berkshire Hathaway is. Um, right. So like Topicus is already operating like that within Constellation to spin it out doesn't really change much. And um, if they're saying that like it, benefits from const topicus benefits from constellations um know-how it's really the idea of like internal culture which is so, so important um like having the managers of topicus be immersed in the original constellation um culture of discipline rational buying um and uh you know looking hunting uh hunting in fertile grounds um other than that, I don't really see any reason why that constellation. Uh, so and that's, that's, I couldn't figure it out either, right? Yeah. But it, it's a big deal, and and I think the other the other bullet here. So I've, I've got um, this VMS Ventures, right? Yeah. So um, they announced this two hundred million dollar fund. It's basically a, a VC fund operating inside of Constellation, 
And the fund is going to focus on companies with the potential to be standalone entities within the Constellation portfolio, which leads me to believe that the topic is spinoff is not like a one-time thing. Like they may look to exploit other companies that, that don't need to be underneath Constellation and, and spin them out. Mm-hmm. Like I said, why though, right? Like what's the advantage? And, and I was looking at like, again, even in the shareholder letter that he wrote about return on equity and, you know, that, that you know, as they target bigger and, and, and um, you know, kind of like, more sprawling types of businesses, not necessarily these smaller software companies, but bigger software companies, um, you know, it basically pushes them into, it broadens what they're able to do. That's, that's the way I understood it, where it looks like, you know, these are companies that, um, here, I think I, I think I had an exact quote here, but um, do, 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 yeah. So they want to make three large Okay, so they they said they've only made three large vertical software acquisitions during the 26 history 26 year history of the company, right? Mm-hmm. So they're typically focused on these smaller companies that they again they can roll up like we talked about. Um, but there's some logic here in moving up market into these bigger companies and making bigger bets and bigger investments if they can win those deals, which is an if. Like we haven't seen them operate there, but it says here we want to acquire one or two large VMS businesses per year. Uh, and then the return on investors' capital will decrease, but we will not have to return any of our free cash flow to shareholders. Yeah, and that becomes a little bit interesting, right? Yeah, and that gives them, you know, basically you have to really trust this guy to know what to do with money, and frankly, yeah. you have to trust him with money more than you trust yourself with the money, because you're basically yeah. saying instead of me taking a dividend or cashing out on this cash flow to do something that I know we can do. I want to give it to you and have you make bigger bets or yeah. and move a little bit upstream into some more, a more market, which, you know, again, trust, trust, trust. But if anyone's earned it, right. Uh, yeah. I think it, it kind of makes sense at a strategy level. I mean, I, I okay. So you're, you're hitting on something that's actually like at the crux of the decision-making process where we stand today. You know, we look at the history and he's returning something like 35% per year. And you look at it and you're like, Oh, he, that's great. And then the question is like, can he continue it in the future? And this is kind of like a mistake or maybe a fallacy that I fell into when um, I invested in Berkshire a long time ago. Berkshire's done well. Um, But there's a certain point where, you know, you're at the 500 billion market cap range, like currently Berkshire is in the 700 billion market cap range, where um, it's very, very hard to move the needle. Uh, especially yeah. operating in the decentralized like mini acquisition or large acquisition way that they've been doing so far. Um, like if you're $700 billion to get the next 10%, you have to get 70 billion worth of value. I mean, and the, the dude's 90 years old. I think he should, you know, golf or whatever. It's really hard. To make, like it's really hard to find the next $100 billion of value. Now, uh, Constellation Software, its market cap is somewhere around 50 billion. I don't remember what you said earlier, yeah. but it's like 40. 49. Yeah. yeah. To get to the next 10, if you want it to go up 10%, it's got to find $5 billion worth of value, right? Either the current software that they have, or the software businesses that they have will grow, um, or they find undervalued ones and acquire them. And then that in itself generates $10 billion of value, right? Uh, or, or $5 billion of value, like w- whatever you're looking for in terms of its retur- returns. And that gets, because of the way their strategy is like hunting for like little fish um, or like scooping up plankton, it's hard to find like 
five billion yeah. and then 10 billion and then 20 billion dollars worth of plankton scooping up every year like that's the curse of exponential growth and compounding right at big numbers 20 percent is very very big yeah. like it's very hard and if you read and you know what i the fallacy that i made was that oh you know when i was looking at berkshire was that you know oh berkshire is compounded at 20 percent 25 percent over 50 years like, why can't some number very close to that, like, exist? And the heart, the, the, the answer is, like, no. Like, the, the returns, when, it, when Berkshire gets to a very, very large size, the returns have to drop down to a more normal level, like 10%, 12%, something like that, is, like, outperformance for their strategy on that large asset size. And it, there was a disconnect in my mind for, like, a few years where, Warren came out at the meetings and said, I don't expect Berkshire to significantly outperform the S&P <laughs> over the next five years. And I heard that and I was like, he's sandbagging that son of a bitch. He's going to do a little better. And, you know, maybe he'll do a little bit better, right? Like maybe if the S&P does 7%, he'll do like 8% or something like that. But in a down year, maybe he'll be like 6%. And then the S&P is like 10%. I don't know. It's like, He's basically like just, you know, running along with the S&P, but not super out for performing and sometimes um, underperforming if the S&P is on a tear. Um, and, you know, I, I heard him say it and there was like a period of time where there was a disconnect. And then there was a period of time where I realized, you know, he's actually just being realistic and like an outperformance on that asset size is matching the S&P or maybe slightly outperforming it but he can't kill it like he used to. Like it's just not physically possible anymore. And I think with CSI, with Constellation Software, like uh, Mark Leonard is running into the same limits with his strategy. He is at a 50 billion market cap. The strategy was always to acquire small, like a whole bunch of small little companies, but there aren't that many small little companies that he could hoover up every year to continue this 30, 35% growth rate since 1995. Like, it's just not possible. So he says in his letters, I, it is hard for me to envision uh, a long-term growth rate in Constellation Software's intrinsic value per share that exceeds 12% per annum. He's saying, I think I could grow constantly. If everything goes well, I could grow this thing 12% per year. If everything goes well. So some years, maybe it won't even grow 12%. Maybe it'll be 8% or 9% or 10%. So I think about this and I think <clears throat> like what's probably going to happen in here is that he's going to have to reset everybody's expectations of what the growth is. It can't be 30% anymore. Um, and if you don't like it, go leave. If you like it, great. Ha happy to have you. And he's going to also have to make that transition into a completely new strategy that has never been tested before right? We're entering completely new waters. That's why his last letter was in 2017. And then he, he's silent for four years. And in 2021, he reemerges. He's like, hi, everybody. <laughs> I don't know where he was, but he's like, hi, everybody. This is Mark Leonard. I know I've been gone for four years, but I'm here to announce something. This guy doesn't appear and write a letter until something is big happening for him. And the big thing is Constellation needs to make a leap. They need to do something different. And the, what they're saying is different is what you described in that letter. We have two strategies now. One 
is to try to acquire bigger fish, bigger companies than they have before. But here's the problem. Constellations check sizes are what? Max like $50, $100 million range for software yeah. companies. But there's big fish, bigger fish, much bigger fish than uh, Constellation software uh, competing to acquire big companies in that same software market. Like the most yeah. prominent one in my mind is Toma Bravo, which is like a $70 billion private equity fund. They make check sizes yeah. in the $500 million to billion dollar range. There's Silver Lake, you know, which like refinanced that's, Apple. That's and that's yeah. You know, there's, there, there's uh, Vista Equity Partners. These guys like can cut checks like a billion dollars and, and it's nothing. And then, so if you look at what's happening in the constellation, they're talking to the investment bankers saying like, oh, um, I'd like to uh, be included in this deal, please. And the constant, the investment bankers are like, I don't have time to talk to you. You're not going to buy this company. You always bid 30% below where we think the market is. This bid's going to close up 20% from our offer, our initial offering, okay? We don't even want to bother talking to you. Get the hell out. And Constellation's like, oh, I can't find anything in this market. I can't grow. So they're hoping to acquire bigger companies. But I don't think in this environment, with their buying discipline, they want to buy low, everybody's buying high, and that has more money, they're not going to compete. Like, it's going to be hard. They'd have to, like, be really lucky to find one or two big deals, if even, or maybe even one deal. And then the other strategy that they have is to go low. Um, and I think the go low strategy is, um, uh, like, interesting because Mark Leonard is coming back to his original roots. You know, he was a VC right before he quit VC and then started Constellation yeah. Software. And then with that fund that you're talking about, the, the $200 million fund, he's going upstream. He's making big bets early. He's now saying, okay, well, I can't get them when they're mature and small, and I can't get them when they're mature and big, so I'm going to get them early and small and hopefully they'll grow into something middle or even bigger that kind of thing he's right. going into venture and do it within constellation what, what's crazy is he wants to incubate them so he's actually i think it's closer analogy to an incubator he's basically saying i want to buy up little companies that i think are going to be those unicorns but instead of giving the market an opportunity to bid on those companies i'm going to grow them under my hood no one can see them and then i'm going to spin them out <laughs> right yep Yep. Or, or at least just, and, and then that at least keep them around. Is, yeah. Or IPO them. Yeah. Yeah, mm -hmm. yeah exactly. That's, it's a super interesting strategy. One, yeah. I mean, there's risk in that too. One, is he going to be good at identifying these companies earlier and be able to make those bets? That's a tough question. Uncertain. And then uncertain. again, two, mm -hmm. uncertain. And, and two, does he have the ecosystem? Like, I think maybe Topicus is a little bit of a test case. Like, do, does the Constellation ecosystem lend itself to creating unicorn level companies. It obviously lends uncertain. itself to creating efficient, yeah, it very uncertain. Yeah. Uh, it, it lends itself clearly to creating cash efficient businesses, companies yeah. that are streamlined and throwing off cash. And that's wonderful, but that's different than a company that throws off gobs of cash, right? Yeah. And as those companies become, you know, um, bigger and more cross vertical, right? I mean, the biggest companies don't sell vertically integrated software they're selling yeah. vertical agnostic software yeah, they're like selling horizontal software, software. horizontal yeah. Yeah. yeah yeah 
like yeah. Salesforce, you know, yeah, like exactly. the, 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 the real unicorns don't fit the VMS strategy. So yes. it's an interesting thing. I don't, I, I'm with you on the one hand. And also the, my third bullet, which ties directly into this, uh, at the beginning of the year last year, he basically was like, uh, we're not going to pay dividends anymore. <laughs> like we've been paying a bunch of these special <laughs> dividends. He's like, nah, fuck you. I'm going to no keep more money. money. No more money. Yeah. No more money for you. I'm, you know, I'm going to do better with it. So I don't, I don't want you to have it. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and, and basically saying that like, you know, that, that you're moving out of vertically integrated software. You, we want these bigger players, these horizontal targets, um, and basically saying, you know, it's not just an enterprise software company, it's doubling down on all acquisition targets to drive further growth. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's a huge, that, that's no category. That's basically saying, give me your money, the money I was supposed to give you, I'm going to keep it, trust me, and I'm going to do all of these different things that we've never done before. And I think the stock took a little bit of a dive after that, right? I mean, you saw the price go down. Uh, I should actually yeah. the ticker. I don't know where it is exactly at the moment. Uh, let me take a look. CSU.TO, right? It's trading at 2,088. Yeah. Uh, but, uh, let's see. So I since the Q3, though, if you go back to one month, it's down. It's down like 11, almost 12%. Yeah. So, I don't know. Peak, maybe its even peak if, was 2,372, and now it's 2,088. So it's down about 300. Right, which is in a month. Yeah. Basically, right after that, right after that letter came out, right? I mean, yeah, not, not, about, far not far after, after. Sorry, the Q3. Yeah, like I think yeah, not far after the, that Q3 yeah. report came out, the stock ran up and then it plummeted. And I don't know, you know, you have to extrapolate a little bit. Uh, maybe people just cash out. People are scared. The market's skittish right now. I think in general, people are just yeah, don't know what the fuck yeah, is it going could on. be so macro, like, macro. Yeah, that's always there. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But it is interesting. It does present a possible buying opportunity. I mean, the price you're getting now is basically the same price it was in last summer, August of 21, give or take, right? right? Um, So, you know, it's not, uh, you're not, I'm used to covering stocks that when we talk that they're trading at some insane premium. I mean, you're trading at like all the tech stuff we've looked at, you know, 500 times earnings and just like <laughs> you have to just close your eyes and be like all right like have faith maybe they'll in catch Elon. up to this in a reasonable time frame <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. Oh, free. i don't want to talk about tesla uh, but like yeah. you know if you pick any, any of these companies i mean look at peloton right like we looked at peloton oh, it was man. hard to justify the valuation and they the price crushed. and we were both like yeah i mean it's just been decimated and you know what it's so easy now that it's happened to look back and be like of course it got crushed it was trading at such an insane premium and yes the brand is valuable and maybe they'll get bought by somebody at some point and like you add peloton to the apple fitness portfolio and everybody's happy and it's like you know whatever but like in the moment you know look at it now i'm like yeah of course it was insanely overvalued like it was it was a a a fad workout machine like of course you can look back this doesn't have that to it. There's no way you look back on this and you're like, oh, and it's because you can't. There's 200 and something companies in here, each doing their own thing successfully. You know, it's, it's hard to, to, to say, you know, this stock is you know, a 12% dive in the stock is due to any kind of performance factor on a company basis. It's got to be either macro or, you know, it's just the, there's a little bit of a correction. You know, again, macro, big, big market, and it gives you a buying opportunity. But this stock is basically a rocket ship. I mean, if you look at any of the trend lines over any reasonable period of time, it's going up. I mean, it's just crazy. Up and to the right, which is the best way to move. Up and to the right. It's the way to go. And then also, I should also add, it fits in the same bucket for me. Um, A couple of years ago, he's also like, I'm not doing earnings calls anymore. 
which I, I love this, by the way, because they're most of them are such a waste of time. But he's basically yeah. like, you know, and I don't know any other public company. I don't know any other public company that doesn't do earnings calls. Do you? Yeah, I don't. I can't think of any. I mean, if they're private, he's just course, like, but yeah. He's like, it was public. it's a public company. He's like, I'm not going to do it. I don't, yeah. it's a waste of my time. You can send me, you can go to the website and you can submit a Q, submit a question. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. basically yeah. what that leads me to is you have almost no transparency here. It's really tough to look at the individual businesses operating within Constellation. Mm-hmm. You have a strategy that's fairly untested, but a performance track record that's very tested. And you have a guy who's very good at what he does. But you're entering into, again, it's, it's all this, you look at the markets, right? You have the very early stage startups. There's a ton of seed and angel and incubator type of companies that are looking for the same thing. So mm-hmm. it's crowded. At the top, it's obviously super crowded. All those big private equity firms, Silver Lake is, you know, they're a behemoth. You can't yeah. compete there. And they, yeah, they're going to, you know, if they need to. You can't outspend those guys. Yeah, you can't outspend those guys. That's the thing. No His way. business is not outspending. Yeah. Right. Yeah, like that's the other yeah. thing. It's not like he's going to come in and outspend you with a big. No, check. he's not he a top bidder. He's company. an underbidder. <laughs> he's looking. He's looking to buy cheap. Yeah, it's crazy. It's like I don't know and how he's going to compete. Investment bankers don't even want to talk to him. <laughs> Yeah, it's like it's like the uh, that's like the clickbait headline. Investment bankers won't talk to me. Um, but uh, yeah, I'll tell you how it works. It works if there's a big downturn in the market, and so now you have to think maybe this guy's playing chess while we're playing checkers, right? He's saying, look. I think that just under, right, the, the, the just under these like, you know, $100 billion companies, right? When you're in the like, maybe 500 million to 2 billion, right? These small enterprise companies, if the market tanks out and capital dries up because all these funds are getting outperformed and they're, you know, you're in, you're in a little bit of a winter situation, there's going to be cheap companies to buy. And they're going to fit the bill for a large VMS acquisition that would not fit the bill five years ago for them because right. it's too big. And he doesn't have to compete on price with these crazy valuations because they're all going to be cheap. Right. If that coincides, if that macro trend coincides with this strategy, that might be the most brilliant thing I've ever seen. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that, that, it, it might be his time to shine if there's a market downturn. Um, I do He's remember shining for 16 years. <laughs> I do remember in his 2008 letter, he said, we should have been more aggressive. So like, like, I think hopefully he's learned his lesson from the great financial crisis. Right. There were opportunities there and he wasn't moving on them. And then maybe, you know, second downturn this time around, he's got some cash lying around. going to go, go out and try to hunt some, some big game, like elephants, you know, yes. for his, for his, so- yeah. I hate ascribing motive for stuff. Like if you have numbers and, and a, a letter from shareholders or disclosures, you can tell, they'll tell you what they're doing, right? Yeah, yeah. But I, I have to ascribe motive here. It just sounds to me like, you know, like LeBron in the playoffs goes into like dark mode. Like he doesn't use social media. He doesn't comment anymore. He's just like, I'm going radio silent. I don't want you to know that I'm training 23 hours a day. I don't want you to know that I'm like in the gym at three in the morning. He's just like yeah. radio silence. I think, I think... It, it, it all, if like at least you, a human brain tends to make a narrative of things. I think he thinks there's a downturn coming. I, you know, there's way too much capital in the market, and I'm making this up. I have no basis for this whatsoever. And he's basically like, I'm not tipping my hand anymore. I'm not going to do these quarterly calls where I tell you what we're thinking of doing and who we're going to buy and how we're going to fit it in. And I'm not going to sit on the sidelines again, like you said, during a crash and not be able to make these bigger moves. So I'm going to start this fund. And I'm going to show you that it works by rolling out Topicus as like a, 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 a test case 
to show you that this is possible. And we're going to focus, I'm going to tell you in my letter that I'm going to keep your money, no more dividends. And I'm going to focus on these bigger acquisitions so that I can take advantage of a situation like this. Now, again, he stopped, you know, the, the quarterly earnings was back in 18. So I don't know when exactly he's predicting this, but I think it's not crazy to say he's waiting for an opportunity to take a huge bite of a much bigger market with a lot more potential upstream that they've never really been able to do. And he thinks it's coming relatively soon. Uh, and again, him coming out of the woodworks with that first, uh, you know, announcement or president's letter, it's the first one he wrote in like three years. Yeah. I think, he's, I think he smells blood. Yeah. So it's interesting to me that that, that to me, like, you know, I am generally like, you know, I, I know less than the next guy. Right. So if I'm in a meeting, like if I'm sitting here and he's telling me a strap, I'm reading a quarterly call or whatever, or listening to the, the, the audio, like, I don't know, I probably know much less about the sector season than he does. Uh, but this just feels to me like this guy's done nothing. But again, he's he just hits dingers every single time. He crushes. He's gearing up for something. He's like stepping out of the batter's box, putting on some chalk, <laughs> stretching, and he's about <laughs> to take some big hacks, you know? And like that to me, like, you know what? Maybe, maybe he strikes out, but I think he's earned enough trust in the last 16 years of track record to show that at least for acquiring performing businesses, he knows what he's doing, right? Mm -hmm. And he's built a he's built an engine to maximize those companies. They don't they don't like he doesn't buy them, get them up to a point, and then they peter off. Like these companies continue to perform and throw oh, off yeah. the cash. Yeah, and yeah. I've never heard of half of these. Like I'm in the software industry, right? Like I've never heard of most of these companies. Every acquisition I was able to look up, one out of twenty of them, I'm like, oh, okay, like I might maybe I saw that somewhere, and like. I mean, what, like how's there's there's their software companies include software like scheduling software for tea times at a golf course or yes. like special software that um, someone who sells new homes would use to sell new homes and collect client information. That's booking stuff. massages. <laughs> He's booking got massage, massage yeah. bookings like, at, at, at tutoring, specific types of spas. Tutoring it's calendar insane. software, you know, like tutoring, tutoring client management software. Yeah. This stuff is like the tiniest of the tiniest, you know, like right. it is niche or like, oh, like um, uh, scheduling jury members at a law, uh, at, 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 a, at a court, you know, or like, or, or like arranging the guard schedules at, uh, at, the, at a courthouse, you know, like stuff like that. It's, it's so yeah. niche. I mean, the beauty of it is that what what I what I really like about his company in a downturn is that the software that they have, the, the software companies that they have, um, because of their niche, like really tiny nature, um, have really high barriers to entry. Because whatever they yeah. do is mission critical to whatever um, industry that they're helping in, right? Like if you are using this software to schedule your guards, you don't want to like switch out to another software that's what 5% better, but then you got to go through the hassle of like teaching everybody how to use this new software. It just, it just yeah. works. It's simple stuff. It's scheduling the guards at the courthouse, you know, and you're, you're not going to replace it. You're not going to try and nobody's going to come in and say, I'm going to raise $10 million to create more software for golf courses. Who's going to do that? Right. Who's going to do that? Especially, especially in a downturn. Yeah, yeah, nobody's doing that. You have no competition in this thing. So if you've already got software for that golf course, 
Number one, that golf course is not going to stop using it. And number two, nobody's going to come out and try to knock you out from your tiny little golf course software. It's not worth it. It's just so small that nobody cares. And so you're protected. You're always protected. Their churn rates are like um, 8% or something like that. They lose 8% on average of their, their customers every year. That's pretty good, you know? Uh, so in a downturn, they have these like hundreds of little cash flowing businesses that will still most likely cash flow you to you to you. And then they'll just build, build up cash and maybe they can find a bigger fish, like you said, if there's really yeah. a market um, downturn. So, so where do you see risks here? How, how are you looking at uh, well, it, 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 there's, there's only only rosy outlook, right? Like what 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 are you stressed about when you look at this? What I stress about is um, the execution risk from the new strategy um, and also the price yeah. that we pay currently. So like, you know, this, uh, this market downturn in January with the Fed tightening interest rates has really scared a lot of growth investors, including myself. Like if you see more white hairs on my head, it's literally just all come from January, 2022. Um, I look at Constellation and it's what, 40 to $50 billion, which is a lot. They probably cash flow about one, 1.2 billion a year. So if you're really thinking about what am I buying in this company and what kind of cash flow do I get from that? If I'm correct that they're getting a cash flow of one, 1.2 billion dollars per year, and you have to pay $50 billion for the entire company, you're really thinking about this company as more like a bond instrument where for every $100 that you put in, it returns to 2.4% return for yourself. That's what it looks like to me. Now, it's not exactly like a bond in the sense that a bond always pays you the exact amount. So if you expected 2.5% yield, you're going to get 2.5% yield, assuming that the uh, the, 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 the other entity does, does not go bankrupt or something like that, right? So you, you're expecting 2.5% yield. The nice thing about a constellation software is it's uh, it's represents something that looks like a two percent yield in a bond, but there's like a tiny amount of organic growth in the businesses. So like, if the golf course manage software management system gets a second golf course, then you get a tiny little bump in cash flow that you never expected before. You know that kind of thing. So like it's two percent plus like whatever the organic growth is. So if the organic growth is ten percent this year. Your 2% yield actually looks like 2% plus 10% of 2%, which is 2.2%. Yay. <laughs> okay. So that's what it looks like. That, and then now, and you're hoping that they continue to grow, but then you're beginning to like, my, my, my worry is that their growth won't be as large as they, it was before. So am I happy with a two, two and a half percent bond that has like some organic growth into it? Um, Am I happy with with the with the potential from their the incubation system? Like, if I really think about the two hundred million dollar check that they're going to, uh, that like war chest that they're going to use to incubate new companies, let's imagine them to a ten xing, ten xing two hundred million. That is way out performance, right? Ten x your money. Yeah. What is that? Two billion dollars. It's a fifty billion dollar market cap. Fifty going to mm-hmm. fifty two is like four percent up if they 10X their yep. thing. And let's say yep. that it takes five years. Let's say it takes five years for them to 
spin this wheel up and get that 10x. That's like, that's really outperformance 10xing your money in five years, right? Um, that's what I'm looking at. That's what I'm looking at in terms of their outperformance. Um, and then, you know, maybe 10 years, if they're successful with that, 10 years from now, maybe they'll scale up their, their venture fund. So now instead of a 200 million one, now they're doing a billion dollar fund or a $2 billion fund. 10x on that would be like 10 or 20 billion. And that's meaningful. That yeah. Hugely meaningful. But right now he's being very risk averse. He's saying, I'm going to put a $200 million and it sounds like a big money, but it's not actually big money relative to his capital size. And he, I think he's making it small because he wants to learn how to do this. So if he loses all 200 million, the shareholders won't even feel a thing. Like 200 million on $50 billion market cap is nothing, right? Like it's a tiny bet. And if it goes well, you know, you'll get some out, a small outperformance. And if it goes to zero, who cares? 200 million is probably like, four months of cash flow anyway like that's nothing like yeah exactly nothing. what it is yeah <laughs> so uh uh like you, you you when you when i look at it when i stand and i look at constellation software today i know in my heart i can't get 30 percent returns anymore like it's not this is we i was just fucking around in my youth and i didn't see this in 2006 i wasted my time on this one you know but can i get 10 12 maybe maybe um and so if, uh, when I think about it, it's basically like it, when you invest in this, it's the question of what you want to do with your capital. Are you happy with 10%? Is that something that you like? Um, and some people are ecstatic about it and some people aren't. It just depends. <laughs> it depends on what you want to do. Um, so, I mean, I guess we're at the stage where we decide what we want to do, right? So do you want to- Well, I guess- but. I want you to flesh out one piece of that. I mean, okay. you're basically saying once a company gets to a certain point of size, yeah, it gets obviously increasingly hard to move the needle, right? Especially with these double-digit growth rates. We we talked about this ten years ago with Berkshire, right? Yeah. And I remember and with being this in the shareholder particular meeting. strategy with this particular strategy, it succeeded. Yeah. It succeeded getting from like small market cap to fifty billion dollars, and with Warren Buffett's strategy that succeeded from taking Berkshire from like a tiny little textile mill to a $700 billion market cap. Yeah. Right. So here's the thing. It's the question of, I mean, here, I'm, I'm looking up Berkshire performance, right? Like, you know, we've, I've been talking about Berkshire being stagnant, you know, for years, right? Mm -hmm. When we talk maybe back in 2015 or whatever, I mean, yeah, Berkshire's still up, you know, a hundred percent in the last five years. Right. Right. Berkeley. Like that's about 15%. I mean, yeah. and, and, and Buffett's found a way to move, you know, he was in pure retail business and then he's into energy and utilities and then he's mm -hmm. into right infrastructure. I mean, he's, he's, he's found ways to move the needle and doing he, the same thing. He owns a lot of Apple now. He, you know, he bought yeah. Apple in 2018 and he's, he might have a 10 bagger on Apple. Like that's not right. Yeah. And so I think there's a shift that has to happen with these holding companies, which is really what Constellation is, right? It's a holding company. And Berkshire is a holding company. And there's a, there's a, there's a shift that has to happen when you move from being like, you know, my job is to, is to maximize the performance of these businesses. And you move to my job is to maximize investor capital in my mm -hmm. company. Mm -hmm. And I think Buffett did it by expanding broadly what he was willing to do. Invest 
investing in late stage app as Berkshire made no wouldn't have made no sense 25, 30 years ago. Just mm -hmm. non feasible. The, the valuation, everything. Um, and the same thing with you know, I think we could look back on Constellation, and in ten years from now, they'd be like, yeah, the only way we could grow was to move upstream and start looking at some of these bigger companies and make bigger bets and move out of vertically integrated software, mom and pop golf courses and spas and resorts and you know financial services insurance tech like we had to move out of that it was the only way to grow and that's obvious and it'll be obvious and and i, I think i think you either have two two perspectives one is you get to a point where the same strategy won't work anymore you can't do this anymore and get the yep. same returns you're going to just yeah. stag out and i and i agree i think he knows that too he's yeah. probably looked at the he's had and he's one like, good I, idea and he's like pounded on it daily for like 15 years yeah and i think he's hit the max yeah. of that one good idea yeah but all you need in life and is one good that. idea <laughs> so right and so then it just becomes a question to me getting to the, the bottom line here is like do you trust this guy to be you know to be the steward of your capital yeah and, or to and have a second good more. idea <laughs> yeah. see that's the thing i don't think it's a second good idea i think it's uh -huh. the same good idea i think this guy has an ability to identify performing companies. And yeah. I don't think it needs to be at a certain stage. I think it just so happens he picked the path of least resistance. And he right. said, I know I can crush it. I can crush it in here. Yeah. I don't want to dip yeah. down here because it's yeah. really complicated and adds a ton of risk and variability. And yeah. I can't play up here because the checks are too big. Right. And I don't want to pay a huge premium because I don't know if I can crush it. So I'm going to focus here. It means it's a single idea. It means I think he's really good at finding these gems of companies and saying, look, the operating structure, the performance, the mix of services and software, and maybe hardware, whatever it is that's in the business. And here's what they need to get to a level where they are optimized. And that optimization is going to throw off free cash. I don't think that's an idea that only applies in the little segment that he's targeting. I think that applies across the board. So like now the, the question the is, do I trust memory, this guy? The muscle memory could work right. for larger check size and or small check yes. sizes too. Like it's the same. Yes. Action. I, 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 it's scale. the same idea. And I think what he's saying also is it's like, I think he's tipping his hand a little bit and saying like, it's not that these companies benefit so greatly from joining the Constellation ecosystem and the marketing and synergies and culture and everything else. He's like, yeah, of course, that's part of it. But I'm going to spin this one off and it's going to do its own thing and it's going to perform really, really well. And that's basically showing you that like, I can create massively single, you know, uh, standalone businesses that don't need the Constellation umbrella. And as a matter of fact, I'm going to spend money internally to find those companies and spin them out, right? Like, I think he's basically betting on his ability to apply this formula to other types, other segments of companies. Mm -hmm. And as an investor, it's really, it's not about like, and maybe you can, again, I, I was describing a lot of intention with what he, I think he's doing relative to the market, but I don't think it's I don't think it's like saying I think the software businesses are going to dry up or I think he's going to underperform in a down market. I think it's basically saying do you trust this guy to apply this strategy to other segments inside Constellation and up market from where Constellation currently is and down market also he's going to be investing in some earlier stage companies to incubate or whatever. Do you trust him to do that and do you think his formula will work across the board and that you know it'll apply to these bigger companies? I don't know. I mean, to me, that's obviously the biggest risk. But but again, you look at you know Berkshire's performance. You say a good operator like Buffett moved out of operating and became an investor for you. He was basically your your on demand investor. Said Apple's a good buy. I'm buying Apple. You know, it doesn't have to be. I'm not owning Apple. I'm not the the main 
you know, I'm not, I'm not a private equity fund. You know, I'm not, I'm not bringing these companies in house, but I, it's a good buy and we're going to buy it. And if you don't like it, <laughs> get out. <laughs> uh, and you can also, you know, you, you can, you can, uh, you can, you know, um, What's it called? You can piggyback on, on Berkshire. You know, they disclose all the investments. You can buy that at a slight premium right after Buffett does. So it's not like anything's proprietary. And I think the fact that he went dark, you know, uh, and, and just doesn't want to talk about the strategy and what he's doing, he needs to maintain every edge he can possibly have to be successful yeah. in this new kind of strategy. Yeah. You know, for me personally, I would be willing to take a bet. I agree with you. I don't think it constellation in its current iteration has any upside beyond for sure. I think your max case is 10%. At best, best, best. They hit everything. What excites me about it is what is what is uh constellation 2.0 look like? Like what's it continue to be a very stable, well-run business? And I trust Warren Buffett to manage my money way better than and I think with this guy, I trust him to manage my money too more than I do. And I like the so I'm not going to pay a dividend anymore. I'm not going to communicate anymore. Here's what I'm doing. Watch it happen. And to me, I'm like, yeah, fuck it, man. I like that. I like, I want to be told that you are confident in what you're doing. So I'm in. I mean, I, I would, I would take a nibble and I, I like the current price too. I mean, the, the PE is bananas, but you know, maybe you wait a little bit and see if there, he gets hit by a downturn. I mean, I don't know the, I can't exactly project the effect of a recession or, a, you know, a strong bear market on these smaller companies. To your point, I don't think a big a golf course is going to rip and replace scheduling software, but at the same time, I do think a lot of golf courses will go out of business. Right. So, you know, it, it does have like a, maybe there's some exposure there. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Different than like Berkshire, which has a bunch of retail and consumer facing companies. It's a little bit different. You can kind of tell which ones will perform or not perform. Um, but I think it's a risk I'm willing to take. I might, I might get a dollar cost in over time if the market can make an opportunity, uh, especially if you want broader exposure. Right. So I would be in, but I, I would caveat with uh, maybe just, again, January being very volatile. Uh, I think I DCA in as much as I can, maybe over the next three, four months and just see what happens. But I, 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 uh, I'd take a little middle here. You can put me on the show. Okay. All right. Good. Um, yeah. For me, um, I, uh, I'm a little bit reluctant to, to, to put significant amounts of capital in, but, um, you know, there's something I appreciate, which is that he has a set of letters that he's written and, um, I like the way he thinks. I really like the way Mark Leonard thinks. He reminds me a lot of the way Warren Buffett thinks, um, about allocating capital. Um, and he also reminds me of the way like Jeff Bezos thinks about allo- allocating capital. Um, and uh, I, 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 I appreciate that. He's always learning um, and he's um, hyper rational about the way the world works uh, and very disciplined and focused on uh, executing the, the, the smart strategy. Um, so, you know, even if like, I, you know, they'll probably still do something like eight to 10% return. I mean, that's not bad. It's not like, uh, like a small portion of the portfolio can go into it. So I'd, I'd, I'd be a buyer in here um, for, a, for a small amount. Um, it won't be like a YOLO where I put 80% of my capital into the company or something like that. But, um, you know, it's just good to like be in touch with this guy's thinking because he's just so right. smart and you just want to learn from him. So Having like a small investment in the company keeps you 
um, interested enough where you continue to remember to read his reports whenever he pops up every five years. So, so, and then you learn something and, um, you know, that's, that's, that's the, what I appreciate the most. Cause he's just a super smart guy who I think, um, really thinks hard about what he does and tries to be the best at what he does. And you got to appreciate the kind of craftsmanship, craftsmanship and professional ethos about the field of, uh, investing and acquiring companies. So, yeah, I like the guy. I'll put, put some money in. Fun, fun, fun. I hate yeah. when we agree, though. That really annoys me. I was hoping you'd go, uh, <laughs> go contra. The whole time, you're like, oh, best case scenario, 10%. Yeah, it's so boring. I, I know you hate boring, too. So <laughs> Just God give me a girl. rocket ship company that burns cash every quarter, <laughs> and I'm in. <laughs> Nobody tunes into these to hear us agree with each other. It's not interesting. Yeah.